Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Matt Terwilliger, what? former... <laughs> Former wow. big man, Ohio State University. Subscribe. Matt Terwilliger subscribed, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and Taylor at Taylor Dammel. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis Blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. Germany. I'm fatter. Uh, <laughs> I'm bloated. I'm probably still hungover. My ass just continues to jiggle. You look great, though. Let's stop. Stop. You lie. look great. You That's look a great. lie, man. I put on so much weight, I'm sure. Did a lot of walking, though. I actually did a little bit more walking than I typically do on vacation, but the beer, the sausages, the potatoes. I mean, you want to talk meat and potato diet. Well, you know, I mean, as a Green Bay Packer fan, with a lot of my family being from Wisconsin, Wisconsin is all German uh, uh, folk, you know, the schnitzel, the uh, schnitzel, the beer, that's also what I had, the beers, the beers. Yeah, it's all it's 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 a meat potato lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that I can get behind, really. Meat, potatoes, beers. That's, I, 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 that's all I need. Really? It's a great it's a great way to live life. That's true. When I put on my Lederhosen on Friday, it was pretty snug. Like it was it was perfectly snug. And then by the next day, maybe it's just how they how Lederhosen works. But by the next day, it was loose as hell. And I don't know if that's based on the leather itself or if overnight, like I just I I, I, I don't uh, know. You crushed the Lederhosen, by the way. I got a call. I think I did not, too. Not a text. A call. <laughs> From one of our listeners, Cody Hoxie, to call to tell me how good you looked in your leader husband. That's very nice of him. I'm, I'm flattered. I really am. Just specific, just specifically, he goes, 
what is it that's called what that soupy's wearing what are those things called he's like i can't remember and i'm like a later host he's like oh okay yeah yeah yeah. that's what it is he's like he looks good and he's like i gotta go <laughs> he does i i will say psa to everyone listening if you like beer even if you don't like beer it's just a big festival that's all it is there's yeah, right. there's rides there's amazing food but the beer tents are absolutely incredible so whoever wants to go you should you should definitely do it. Actually, that's this is your wheelhouse, Taylor. I was you, just about to you say, need to carve it, out of time. I was just about to say what it, if if we did a starting five of events that Taylor would thrive in, where would that rank in the starting five? I think it would be starting point guard, man. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I think it would be team captain, starting point guard, last person announced in the in the starting five, Jim Nance, <laughs> final four. Like hailing from Munich, Germany, uh, fucking oh. beer fest or Oktoberfest. Well, my well, my last name Dammel is a Dutch name, so that's close enough. Yeah, it's all this. It's not all the same, but it's we're we're within the family. We're within the range there. Yeah. So no. now I don't want to take away from your monumental trip, but I do want to uh, do a have a monumental announcement of something that is huge in your life, and that thing that's huge in your life is that. J-Lo and Shakira just got announced as the Super Bowl halftime entertainment. And is there one person in the world who loves J-Lo and Shakira more than you? Well, as someone who, who appreciates hips, I mean, I have, I have very wide hips. They obviously can move their hips a lot better than I can. But <laughs> J-Lo and Shakira in Miami is incredible. I mean, we are truly, truly blessed for the 2nd of February, the Super Bowl. It's going to be – it's going to be – an absolute blast. Now, all they need to do to tie a bow on this thing is bring out Pitbull. I mean, it's got to be whether, automatic. It's automatic. It's got to be automatic. See, I don't want to get my hopes up because whether it's whether it's announced that they bring out Pitbull or if they pull a Missy Elliott with Katy Perry when she surprised everyone, I don't care. He needs to be on the stage, though. He is literally Mr. 305. He has an album titled Miami. M- money is a major issue. But he needs to be out there. I, my fear, my only fear for this is that they do Pitbull like they did Andre 3000 in Atlanta last year, where that was like, the, it, was, it yeah. was like the automatic assumption where it's like, but I feel like as much as like Andre 3000 is associated with Atlanta, I mean, Pitbull's name is Mr. 305. He has songs with Shakira and J-Lo. I mean, it, it's... I, this is as close to a lock. If we're on a betting program right now, I feel like it would be close to a lock. I, I hope there's some props about this, like who will make an appearance. That has to be a – I feel like they're going to trot like DJ Khaled out there instead, though. That's like my only thing where he's just going to stand right there. And Khaled's just going to stand there the whole time, you know. But yes. I don't know. The, the, overwhelming, the overwhelming thought, though, is J-Lo and Shakira. I mean, it's, it's going to be incredible. It's really, it's going to be fireworks. It's going to be sex oozing out everywhere. Old white people are not going to be thrilled about this. It's going to be way too ethnic, way too much spice for them. They want like Mick Jagger when I think he performed the Seahawks Steelers Super Bowl. But J-Lo and, and uh, Shakira, good God. I mean, and Giselle is going to be there, obviously, because the Patriots are going to be there in the Super Bowl. And Giselle is going to be there, and that's going to be the number one like clip. Is Giselle is going to be Giselle is going to be like in the in the booth, you know, like they this. might bring her ass down. Yeah, might as well, might as well. 
I mean, there's enough Brazilians in Miami, right? I'm so Luke. local. They really. What if they just brought? What if they oh, yeah. went real fucking hood? They went like <laughs> Uncle Luke and Trick Daddy. <laughs> Uncle Luke, we out Miami too. Yeah, I mean, if Flow Ride is not even hood, so I can't even. Yeah. You know, sure. Jason Der- Jason Derulo. Jason Derulo is also from Miami. But Miami? he was just – wasn't he just trotted out? What was he – didn't he perform something that he shouldn't have performed in recently? Uh, I don't know. He does Monday night intros with Florida Georgia Line, I think. And yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, he's too yeah. associated with the NFL already. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, w- I, mean, I, would love, I would love a full Miami – yeah, if we could just get all the all-stars out there. That'd be fun. Dwayne Wade needs to get out there. Uh, Gabby Union, just trot her out there as well. Miami just okay. has so much – They've put such a big stamp in terms of music, right? I mean, you think of all the other Super Bowl venues, San Diego. I don't know a musician from San Diego. Look, I'm sure there are people, but it's not like the 305. You got Tampa Bay. Absolutely not, right? There's some, I mean, Minnesota. Stop. So Prince was the Prince, yeah, but Yeah, but I mean, R.I.P. 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 Pour one out. That was kind of those. Don't That's know. kind of sorry. rude of you, to be sorry. honest with you. Well, I mean, well, uh, sorry, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. All right. But, you know, like what? Phoenix, when they did it out here, they always have uh, Jordan Sparks, right? She mm-hmm. does the – and I'm sure there's someone else, but that's that's got to be about it. I'm not I'm not putting Jordan Sparks on, on like, no, Gloria, I'm just saying, Estefan, J-Lo, yeah. all their levels. Yeah, so, right. That is huge news, and I'm glad you brought that up because when I saw the tweet from Schefter, it really made my day. Let me give you – Another piece of breaking news that I just found out maybe 10, 15 minutes ago. Oh, wow. So Rothstein, 39 days until college basketball season begins, blessed. Rothstein has been very active on Instagram recently. Within the last couple of days, he's doing an All-America tour, interviewing all these coaches, and he's doing some sort of countdown, uh, I think, of teams that are going to make the tournament. Guess where he's going tomorrow? Uh, give, give it to me. He's in red, your hood. Red, red, red blue game, Tucson, he's, Arizona. He said he's going to Arizona. Now I don't know if he was referencing the school or the state. If that's well, the case, I mean he's going to be in Arizona tomorrow, so he's obviously going to be covering U of A this this upcoming weekend, and obviously ASU. But right. that's huge news for me, and I I highly suggest you be on your Instagram looking for. Uh, for his thoughts. Well, four, here's what I'll say. Four days ago, he already did ASU on Instagram. That's true. I think he's so, got Tucson that day. He's got it. Well, tomorrow is we have to be, or Arizona has to be the first team to be doing their like Midnight Madness, Red Blue stuff this year. It's way earlier than the norm uh, for several different reasons, which we don't need to get into. But it's like you and I were talking today, and we were, it, it still shocks me that the, I mean, we're only like four weeks deep in a college football season, and the red blue basketball game is, is which is the midnight madness of Arizona for those who don't know. But so that's already tomorrow for us. So he's got to be. That's got to be. It's Friday night in the T. Where's Rothstein going? Guadalajara Grill. See, I'm glad you brought that up. Because did Rothstein, you tweet that at him? Did you tweet that at him? I absolutely did. And I gave him some options. So here's the thing Rothstein, we all know, has college basketball covered. I don't need to give him any sort of advice or insight or feedback in that respect. But the man is a foodie. He loves good food. So I gave him a few options. I said, look, if you're into Mexican, go to Guad. If you're looking for a sandwich at lunch, go to Sausage Deli. If you're looking for a, a decent pizza with a good view, go to Frog and Frickin'. 
these are all plugs that I think I should be charging those three restaurants for. Could you imagine if he goes to Frog and he's crushing a, a pheasant pizza and without us? Like, this is... It'd be, right. it'd be the biggest missed opportunity of my life. Let's get you on a flight. Let's get you on a flight tonight, okay? Let's get you down here. We'll roll, we'll roll down there. No problem. Yeah, it looks like I'm going through a story right now. He's at Michigan today. So, I mean, it's got to be... If he already did the ASU thing, he's not going to do another ASU thing. Well, so, it's got to be Michigan. It's so be my, Arizona. my only reservation is that he might drop in to Hurley's practice or something, but in terms of covering and saying something about a particular team, it's going to be you. Hey, maybe he even, maybe, you know what? Maybe he just shuns ASU, goes straight to Dan Marley, As goes he to GCU. Oh, that would actually, that would actually be great. That'd I be mean, great. Uh, you know, if he's flying in today, Maybe he comes up and yeah, maybe he says maybe daps everybody up on the way out on Saturday, unless he's flying straight to Tucson instead of up through here. I don't know, you know. So I, I I'm bummed. I'm pumped about it though. I didn't even know this and I'm so glad you brought this up. But I'm gonna be on Twitter, on Instagram, any type of social media I can find to uh, figure out where this man this national treasure is at, especially which restaurant he goes to. Well, so you know during free agency and basketball people will literally track flights like like flight numbers from oh shit uh there was a flight from toronto to los angeles Kawhi must be on that plane yes that's yes. what i want to do with rothstein right can you can I just put like a well now that he's got instagram is putting stories up we think we can narrow these things down a little bit i need i need way more instant gratification than that i need to know <laughs> he was in the airport when i saw his story and when he said that i need to know yeah. his destination Mike. okay so Big news there. 39 days, like we had mentioned, until college basketball season. And it's already heating up. The news is already heating up. Not not the most positive news for some. I personally don't give a shit. But a lot of sanctions and a lot of trouble looming for some programs. The, the axe came down on Georgia Tech today. So Georgia Tech banned from the postseason for the 2019-2020 season. And let me just get this out of the way. The head coach for Georgia Tech is Josh Pastner, former Arizona basketball player, also assistant coach, NCAA champion with Arizona basketball, but also with this podcast or with this uh, with this program, a Memphis guy. So I, I'm not necessarily uh-huh. sure the Memphis guys like Josh Pastner either. So no, they definitely no. They de- he, there's definitely no love lost with 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 Memphis and and Josh Pastner. So Josh Pastner in a, a bit of shit here for Georgia Tech. Now, a lot of people, including myself, were very reactionary in saying that, oh, big whoop, they are not going to the NCAA tournament. They weren't going regardless. But this is a postseason ban. So no NIT, no CBI, absolutely nothing for Georgia Tech. And that's where it just starts. Let me just go down the laundry list of items, and then I'll get your thoughts on this. Including a uh, postseason ban, they have four years of probation. On top of that, a fine of $5,000 plus 2% of the men's basketball program budget, a reduction Mm. of one scholarship during each year of probation, so that's four at the very least, and then a plethora of recruiting restrictions. And so Jeff Jeff Goodman, and I I don't know how accurate this is, but what he had tweeted was apparently Jarrett Jack, former Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket, took wendell carter during his recruiting visit to the titty bar now the big question here is which titty bar did they go to (laughs) 
is actually it is actually a huge uh, question. It's got to be it's got to be a name. Well, uh, was it Magic City on a Monday? Was it on a Monday? That's the follow up question. These are the things <laughs> we need to ask. That I, you're in Atlanta, where the players play. Yeah, and and they do riding and things like every day. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, if you got to show you got to show them what what they do in, in Georgia Tech. Now, I don't think a lot of Georgia Tech students are out of the script club often compared to maybe other schools in Georgia. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm just telling they're not buzzing around the club, if I may. Um, I and the other thing is, as you brought up in our pre-show chat here. Wendell Carter was never going to Georgia Tech. He wasn't going to go be the next Derek Favors down there. You know, like, it, 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 I, I guess, but so I say, I would say, good on Wendell Carter for just getting the most out of it. He's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to A. We're going to go to Magic City on a Monday. And, and I'm, boy, that's, that's what I'm going to do at 17. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm going to get the most out of my trip. But I would say I would say there's got to be more to it than this, though. Right. In terms of oh yeah, yeah. Right. No, not, I mean, Passner definitely. I'm, these are just like the, some of the highlights of it. Right. I mean, these are. I'm sure there's actual uh, scandalous cheating going on in terms of recruiting violations. But Jared right. Jack and Wendell Carter, it sounded like they just wanted to go to the strip club, right? And so yeah. Jared Jared Jack's not even part of Georgia Tech's coaching staff. I don't think. I think they called Jared Jack and were like, hey, impress this recruit. It's Wendell Carter. And Jared Jack was like, okay. Well, you know, what is, what is Jared Jack even doing right now? Let's, let's take a look at that. What's Last Jared I Jack? saw, he was in the D, G League. Or no, maybe he was overseas. I don't know. Yeah, he wouldn't have been in the G. I mean, you know, I always like, you know, when Jared Jack played that third guard role for the Warriors a couple years ago before they were like the Warriors Warriors. Yeah. He was yeah. actually dirty. He's actually he was. dirty. Um, looks like he's, uh, yeah, really not, really not doing, really not doing a lot. They just, I mean, they must've just called him up and been like, and how sad are the state of affairs? I was, I was, I was wrong. He was in the G league just this last year, 2019, which I, I, if you're, how old is he? He's 35 years old. Why would you want to play in the G league? Just hang, just hang it up. Or go to the in, big three. In Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Like, just, yeah, go to, Joe Johnson literally just got a contract because he played in the big three. That's a, yeah, that's a much better way to do it. I don't know if, if maybe he got signed and someone was like, well, uh, oh, he sprained his MCL as well. Maybe that, maybe, maybe, he's, well, I guess this has been, what, this would have happened two years ago? When this these yeah. violations would have happened because Wendell yeah. Carter's been in yeah. the NBA for was this his rookie year this last year? No, this was his second. Year. Yeah, so this would have been. Well, uh, okay, so he would have been playing for the New Orleans Pelicans at the time. Quick trip over to the A, real yeah. quick. <laughs> right, that makes a lot of sense. Makes well, a lot of sense. But how sad are the state of affairs for Georgia Tech, where you got to call upon Jarrett Jack, who's hug for him. He's still playing in the league, but Jarrett Jack was last relevant in terms of college basketball what in 2004 when they went to the national title game. I mean Georgia Tech is a far cry from where they were 15 years ago. Yeah. And I it, mean that, yeah, the, the, I, it should every, be bigger I, news because but, but it's not because they stink. Nobody cares. Well, in like everything they 
it kind of their state of their whole athletic program kind of sucks right now. Their their football team is garbage now uh, after they got rid of Paul Johnson. But I'm gonna I'm doing a little research here, and really I should get um, I sh- someone should pay me for this type of research because I'm going through the New Orleans Pelicans schedule. And on Wednesday, January 17th of that year is when they played the Atlanta Hawks. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. That's some good uh, sleuthing. Hmm. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Do you have a calendar up? Do we know if that was a Monday? Because if it well, was, I mean, that was the day. Wow. Wow. That, so, I, I'll, I'll work on that here. Yeah. Just give me some time here. Give no, me some that's time. fine. I, it's just. <laughs> I, I mean, what a Georgia Tech getting the absolute hammer uh, today. And it's, it's not a great look for the ACC. It's, not, it's definitely not a good look for Josh Pastner, who's had allegations sort of plaguing him his entire coaching career, his head right. coaching career. It's the same at Memphis. He got out of that mess, and now he's doing the same at Georgia Tech. And we say this about Sean Miller in Arizona and these other teams that are kind of in the quagmire and, and sort of under the microscope. It's a great and, word and you for say, it. look, if, thank you. If you're if you're gonna cheat, like, get me some W's, man. Get me some tournament wins. Do something. Now, yeah, right. Do something. How are you gonna be cheating? Get this. Get a postseason ban and have absolutely nothing to show for it. Georgia Tech, like I said, has not been relevant for fifteen fucking years. They've had yeah. two like really good players come through their pro or three, I should say. Okay, so you got David Derek Favors, and this is since the national title game. Derek yeah. Favors, Amon Shumpert, and uh, Josh Okogie. Am I missing cool. anyone else? I, I mean, no. and those are kind of stretches. No. Yeah, no. That's, yeah, that's 100% all it. There's, yeah, so we're, and that's what I guess the whole thing is here is, it's just like you said, if you're not getting anything out of this, how, uh, there, I just don't understand the, why even, why even risk it if you're not getting anything out of it? You know, like, well, you just maybe we'll just be the regular, um, regular middle of the pack guys who follow the rules and never get in trouble. Well, at least like at least we're not going to get in trouble and fuck ourselves for no reason. Now you've been cheating the whole time. and You've got nothing out of it uh, was not on a Monday it was on a Wednesday night, by the way, okay. which I'm sure is still just fine as well. Maybe but, they were in town prior yeah, to that Wednesday. Yeah, could have been, could have been, could have been. So. No, I think I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd necessarily go as far as say it's a bad look uh, for the ACC. I mean, it's not a good look, right? It'd be a bad look for the ACC if it was North Carolina or even like NC State or even one of the one of the other teams. Because I think it, if you're a Georgia Tech person or fan, I guess maybe this might be a little hypocritical to the statement I just said. But I guess if you're a fan, you could at least be like, well, we had to keep up with the 17 other good teams in the ACC somehow. So we had to start taking kids to Magic City. And that's the only way we knew how, down here in the A. And it seems like Wendell Carter is just the recruit that is impossible to please. So, <laughs> I mean, he was he was never going to go to Georgia Tech, as we pretty much can assume. He just got a – and I think they gave him 300 bucks to spend at the strip club. I mean, I don't even – like, <laughs> that's, that's a lot for an adult, like, just to work in a 9 to 5. Is that a lot of magic? Bucks. Is that a lot at Magic City, though? Maybe not at Magic City, but as a seventeen-year-old, right? Who well, is probably? I mean, and, and, honestly, and the other thing is, he's never going to go to a strip club better than that. Well, and my thought would be like, if you're going to already give him money, who cares? 
fucking give them 10 grand. Like, what is it? What does it matter? You're going to get in trouble for what, no matter what, you know, it's like, no wonder he didn't come there. He probably was like, wow, really? You guys are going to be $300. (laughs) What about bottle service? Yeah, what if I get someone get some chicken wings here at Magic City and like one dance? That's what you're gonna give me. Like Duke, Coach K is bringing strippers to the dorms or whatever, and you're gonna give me three hundred dollars and like drop me off at Magic City with Jared Jack. (laughs) (laughs) With Jared Jack. (laughs) But that's the thing. I mean, it goes. It goes again to him being a tough recruit to please because wasn't he pissed at Coach K? For like yelling at his mom or something, uh, yeah. he was he was mad during that recruiting process. It sounds like Wendell Carter just played everyone. He said, "Look, I'm going to go to Georgia Tech to go to the strip club. I'm going to go to Duke to potentially win a national title and get my name in in, in to a top five pick." I think he played it very well, and then he just yeah. burned everyone else. He said, "Screw you guys!" Right. Um. You, so Wendell Carter is from Atlanta as well. So. Um, I don't. I, that's neither here nor there, I guess. But that's probably why he at least went on this recruiting trip because he was already there. Because it's not like it's not like I'm picking Georgia Tech as like the one school I'm going to go to. You know, we've talked about this before. Like, what are the schools you would go to as like to have your fun recruitment, right? Yeah. Like, Miami, Arizona, Michigan, whatever. Some of the bigger fun schools, whatever. Nobody's like, hey, you know what? <laughs> I want to go to Georgia Tech. And take advantage of them. So there had to be some kind of like local, hey, I just got to please people, whatever, you know. And he probably in turn, maybe that's why they only gave him 300 bucks. They were like, eh, this guy, this this guy, (laughs) residential rate. Yeah, local resident rate. Maybe he was just like, yeah, okay, well, I'll go. And and I guess, yeah, at least call like, I don't know, Chris Bosh. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, like. Call yeah, I mean, throw like, a Hail Mary for those guys. Right. right? And, and Chris Bosch <laughs> was not doing anything at this time. He's been retired yeah, he's, he's for years now. So it's like, yeah, at least at least get Chris Bosch to Magic City. I want. Could you imagine, like, being at Magic City and, like, you just walk the, watch these two walk in? I just wonder what the whole – because, you know, it's one thing if you're, like, all right, you're with your boys. Everybody's like 21, whatever. Like Jared Jack's 35 and or 33 at this time, and Wendell Carter's like 17. Well, and so what are we talking? What, what is the interaction that's going on this whole time? Here's my question too. Obviously, Wendell Carter was a stud coming out of high school, but Atlanta's a huge city. So I'm wondering who's more recognizable: the guy that took the to, that took Georgia Tech to the Final Four, or an up and coming stud like Wendell Carter? Like Jared Jack and Wendell Carter walk into the bar, who gets dapped up more? Uh, God, I don't know. Are there that many? Are there that many people that are recognizing Jared Jack? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I, that's a. Uh, I, I don't know because at least Wendell Carter's seven foot tall. Where you could be like, yeah, yeah oh, that's. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's uh, that's got to be a basketball player, you know. Right. Um. So I didn't realize this, and maybe maybe we should have known this a little more, but apparently the story first came out in March, and then that's where it was rumored to be identified that uh, this is what was going to happen. And so, uh, and then obviously this is what happened now at the end. But yeah, the $300 thing is just the funniest thing that uh, probably of this whole deal to me. I just don't, I just think it's got to be hilarious. Like I, 
did it was it in hundreds was it in ones there's so many questions that i would have about this situation and then i guess the number one question would be is where did you think this was going to get you i guess it's like i said it was like so where did you if you've got big atlanta boosters who went to georgia tech and all they could scrum up was jared jack has made 30 probably 30 million dollars in his nba career he kind of at least brought a what, brought a G to the club. Like, <laughs> come on! <laughs> I, the the I whole thing just seems so poorly planned. Like, I think they just said, "Hey, Jared, here's three hundred bucks. Take this number one, number two recruit out to the strip club." Is this like? I mean, here's, here's my thing. Here's my other thing. Why? Why do we need to be taking them to the public eye? Just like. Send them to a party or something that's a little bit more low key than a strip club. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, and I guess is this like it maybe the is this the opposite effect of like so you know, you're texting like your friends or some chick, hey, come over, yeah, okay, you're cleaning up, you're making the bed for the first time in a week and a half, you know, you're throwing all the shit away, and then like you said, Oh, sorry, like I'm tired, I'm not coming over. Is this the opposite? Is this like the you what did Georgia Tech you up text? Uh, Wendell Carter, and all of a sudden he was like, "Yeah, I'll come for a visit." And they're like, "Oh, oh God, shit. <laughs> <laughs> wait, you sure? What, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna yeah. do? Yeah, oh, Jared Jackson town. Like, yeah. get him on the line." <laughs> I think it is. Dude. That's a, actually that, a perfect comparison. That had to be what it was. It was like, ah, uh, yeah, Magic City. Who's got how many ones? Anybody? Three <laughs> hundred? Uh, yeah, okay, fuck it. Dude, they just went around. They just went around the athletic facility with like a fishbowl. <laughs> hey, please put your donations in. Yeah, like a yeah, Salvation Army tin for uh, Magic City for Wendell Carter. <laughs> oh my God! What a far seriously! What a far, far cry for a once proud ACC basketball program <laughs> who used to be competitive. Man, they used to uh, be competitive. I'm not saying that they were ever Carolina, Duke, even Maryland when they were in the ACC, even NC State way back when. But they made a Final Four. Okay, Paul Hewitt, Chris Bosch, Luke Schencher, Jared Jack, Ismail Muhammad was like the coolest wow. dunker during. I, I'm rattling off these names, but that's only because I love college basketball. Uh, did you did you say Ish Smith earlier? Muhammad. No, no, no. Did you say, didn't Ish Smith go to Georgia Wake, Tech? He went to Wake Forest. Oh, Wake, whatever. Yeah, the other, yeah, the yeah. other gold, black and I, gold. Yeah. Well, you know what I hate about Georgia Tech? Since we brought the colors up, I hate that their colors are are. The darkest of navy blues Blue, in the whole yeah, world. Sorry, not and black. Gold. Well, no, I know that's the problem because it's like, if there's one thing that anyone should know about me, it's that my number one pet peeve in life is combining black and navy blue because it just clashes, right? Like, let's mm-hmm. not get into that argument because that's that's a whole TED talk for me. And so I hate that that's their colors because uh, of that issue. This is completely aside from anything. I just wanted to make sure that my thoughts on that were got out. So. No, since we're on the topic, actually, I wanted to bring this up. Georgia Tech, for the longest time, used to have Russell Athletic as their, <laughs> as their athletic. Like they, they made their jerseys. I wouldn't right. even wear Russell Athletic, dude. <laughs> no, like not even like ironically, you know, no, not like yeah. like a like a starter jacket is kind of like a funny thing to wear, you know. The Nobody's second wearing... you enter the gym, people laugh at you. Even like champion stuff is like funny now. Yeah. Or not, or like, you know, they sell it at Urban Outfitters for like edgy, like post teens, you know, like, but at least all that's funny. Nobody's ever worn Russell and been like, this isn't even cool in like an ironic way. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Right. So Georgia Tech postseason ban. And this was 
a lot of people are saying, look, this is finally some action happening from the NCAA. And that's kind of what I've been waiting for is if I'm just in allegations, because the past two years, we've always heard are, oh, this is coming. This is coming. It's like a volcano that's about to erupt, but it just doesn't ever happen. And so this is the first time in all of this that it's, it's actually happened. It seems like oh. you're laughing about something. Hold on. Hold on. I'm interrupting you. I'm interrupting you. Okay. So this was a year before that. Uh, I thought it was. So it was in 16, not 17. Jared Jack did play for the Atlanta Hawks. This is all coming together now. Jared Jack played for the Atlanta Hawks in 16. And this is a key point in the article that, that I'm reading from the Washington Post here. And it says, okay, the NBA player, Jared Jack, invited the recruit and a Georgia Tech team member to his home and then got them into the strip club without paying a cover. <laughs> Again, then gave them three hundred dollars each. <laughs> oh, the fact that we had—the fact that we had to include the got them into the strip club without paying a cover because <laughs> he just—he was good. We were good with everybody. Yeah, so that's they the That's the there. That's the answer to your question. That is just the funniest thing in the world. Like that Georgia Tech, in a lot of ways, like the three hundred dollars, honestly is something that happens a lot in the world of the NCAA because there's a lot of impermissible stuff that goes on. Oh, here, we gave this guy a little money, this guy a lot of little money, whatever. And so it's kind of a slap on the wrist. It's like a mm-hmm. level like 19 violation, whatever, especially a couple hundred bucks. Uh, if we dove deep enough into the, um, into like the depths of why they got in trouble, I'm I'm going to guess there's at least a 1% chance that the fact that they got into the strip club for free w- boosted this up from like a one a lower level to just even one higher and I think that is maybe that actually replaced what I said earlier that is the funniest thing about this. the the reason why this is so funny also is because like I said I mean Georgia Tech just they they just seem like bumbling idiots during this whole thing at least at least Louisville like it was calculated. They won a national title out of it. And I mean, there were, it, it was hysterical also because of Patino's affair in the bathroom. Fine. But Georgia tech just seems like they completely fumbled this from the start. And because they like, nobody cares about Georgia tech basketball because this really doesn't have an impact on their season, this upcoming season, at least future. Yeah, for sure. Right. Who knows? I mean, a, a basketball team can turn around just like that. If you get the right coach and you get the right recruits in, Right. Uh, but for the short term, this is just, it's kind of hysterical. Was bumbling a play on the yellow jackets? Wow. It wasn't, but I'm glad you caught that. The same way that my buzzing around the clubs was a play on the yellow jackets earlier. We're sharp today. (laughs) We we're sharp today. So Georgia Tech screwed, but (laughs) onto a bigger, yeah, I mean, whatever. (laughs) Onto a bigger fish though. While I was in Germany, I was trying to check my phone during downtime as much as possible. And I'm seeing that Bill Self is in some trouble. Finally. Finally. What's the issue I mean, going on there? Well, so you and I have been talking about this for, I mean, on the show, off the show for months. And that is that, you know, our alma mater, Arizona, has been the poster boy for all this FBI bullshit. Well, this whole time I've been harping to pretty much anyone who would listen to me, not unlike any other sports topic that I like to discuss. And that is that, like, 
they got Kansas already. Like, they got the proof. The thing about all the other schools that, in, that were involved in, like, the FBI trial is, 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 let's take Arizona, for example. A lot of what put Arizona in this situation didn't make sense. Like, why would an Adidas school, or why would Adidas be paying an Arizona recruit or an Arizona person to go to this Nike school that, like, with a different age? Like, the Adidas connection never made sense to me because it's like why would an adidas person be paying a a nike school person to whatever (laughs) that didn't make any sense to me but we had text messages from bill self to player to recruits that were like hey yeah what kind of car do you want you know like shit like that and but we'd go we'd listen to tv every day dickie v would be like oh my god fuck let's just burn down old main at u of a and start again and i'm like the news today is that Bill Self has text messages that are out in, in the open to two players. And so I always thought it was weird where it was like, why, why are we not focusing on one of the – Kansas is, a, is obviously a bigger program than Arizona. Kansas is what, the fourth biggest, fourth biggest uh, college basketball program in the country? So why are we not harping on them more? And so maybe it's a classic case of we don't what the media is telling us isn't always what's going on. So here we got go today. The NCAA has been working on this the whole time, clearly. So and now Kansas is they've got nine months to respond to these allegations. And these are like level one. So like take whatever just happened to Georgia Tech and you're looking at like. Bill Self, I, someone, someone today, and maybe it was Bill Plaschke, someone on around the horn said was predicting that Bill Self was going to be done at Kansas because of this. I don't think that's true, but those are the type of ramifications we're looking at for the recruiting violations that Kansas has been alleged of at this point. Right. So here's my take on it. If I'm a Kansas fan, I don't give a shit. I'm not worrying at all because, again, over the course of these past two years, it's just been the boogeyman. And we open up the closet, no one's there. Look under the bed, nobody's there. Unless you're Georgia Tech, everyone's pretty much gotten away on skate. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and so if I was a Georgia Tech basketball fan, God forbid, if I was a Georgia Tech basketball fan, I would now only be worrying because something actually happened. It's official, we're banned. Right. I'd be like, okay, Josh Pastner, something needs to happen with him. But Kansas, Arizona, Duke, Carolina, any of these teams that have been cited, right? I wouldn't give a shit until anything actually happened because it's all been speculation up to this point. And I know you, you had said you don't agree with Bill Self potentially getting fired, but those are the ramifications. I hear you on that. But Bill Self ain't going anywhere. I'm no, going to tell right, you that yeah, right now. Yeah, he's, right, not, right. he's not getting fired. I, I he's agree. not going to step down. So. Kansas, I mean, this is all just bubbling right now, but literally until I see an actual consequence levied or put down, then I won't care. It should be business as usual in Lawrence, especially if you're a fan. This is the equivalent. So you made a great analogy earlier today or earlier on this show. My analogy for this is like picking the Patriots to not or picking anyone but the Patriots to win the AFC East. It is picking anyone outside of like Rafa Nadal and Djokovic and Federer right. to win, you know, a men's single. It's right. 
it's picking against Serena versus Sharapova. You just want to do it to try and get ahead and be right, be the first person to get it right. When that's just going to end up with splatter on your face. Yes. Right? Just wait for it to happen. And if you're wrong, if you say, look, look, I'm here saying Bill Self, nothing's going to happen to him. If something does happen to him, then, I'll, then fine. I mean, I don't lose any credibility. Right? I don't think so, at least. No. Just there's no point in worrying about this if I'm Kansas because everything up to this point, in my opinion, nothing's actually been followed through. And we keep hearing about these. And people are saying, oh, well, look what they did to Georgia Tech. I don't give a shit. These are going to be, these are all be, being looked at in a vacuum. Kansas isn't going anywhere. I truly, I mean, they might get a slap on the wrist. Bill Self isn't going anywhere. I don't think this is cause for concern until something actually happens. So what I think, I think if I were to predict what would happen, my prediction would be the same thing they did to um, uh, Bayheim at Syracuse two years ago for lack of institutional control, which he missed. They suspended him for the non-conference or like the first nine games of the season or something like that. I don't even remember that. Yeah, that was, it was just like two or three years ago. Yeah, so uh, that's what I would think that that's what the, because they had a level one, and it's, this language is also, I don't know if ambiguous is the right word, but like a level one violation. But that doesn't like, it doesn't follow with the, the penalties don't follow what the violations are ever. So this is all like saying, well, I don't know, did I kill someone or did I speed? It, like there's no, they might sound different in law, but the NCA just go, just kind of levies punishment as however they feel because because mm-hmm. now you feel like like you just said with georgia tech you almost feel like georgia tech's going to get more trouble because Jared jack spent 300 bucks at the strip club than kansas is for like literally paying hundreds of potential you know what they're alleged of is is paying like hundreds of thousands of dollars to recruits so there's no Which, real way there's no real way to predict what what's going to happen because there's no real there there's there's no consistency or continuity across the board which is what we constantly discuss on this podcast with the nca is it's like it's like they just take a dartboard and go, eh, yeah, one year postseason ban, that'll work, or nine games for Bayheim, whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, my, my thing is, and I'm going to wear the black hat here for a second, I don't care about the Georgia Techs of the world. No. Basketball right. is better with Bill Self on the sidelines. Basketball is better when Kansas is good. Basketball is better when... Georgetown's good, so I'm going to need Patrick Ewan to step it the fuck up. But <laughs> basketball is better with these blue blood programs that are good. We always say it in the tournament. We love the upsets, and we love, uh, you know, the the UMBCs over Virginias. We love the Giddy Pots over over Michigan State, Middle Tennessee State. But once we get to the cream of the crop, like the Elite Eight, Final Four, I want to see the Zion Williamsons, right? I want to right. see the Carolinas. I want to see the Virginias. I want to see all those guys. So I. I don't care that Georgia Tech. I mean, if someone's if someone's out there saying, "Oh, we got we got actual text on Bill Self, and we have ambiguity with regards to Georgia Tech," tough shit, man. I don't care. Like, right. That's them's, them's the rules. That's the way the cookie crumbles, dude. I'm sorry. Well, so um, it was in 2015 when Bayheim got suspended for the first nine games of the ACC season, and then he also had Syracuse also had to vacate 108 wins. Similar situation, um, impermissible benefits and, and all of that. So, I, you know, I, I, I feel like because Kansas is now the first person to notice or to get noticed, 
or get a notice of allegations that maybe that's what they would do because it, it at least shows that the NCAA uh, is willing to quote unquote punish major programs. Syracuse is obviously a major program, but they're, you know, at least one level below Kansas. So I would say if I had to predict, I'd say that's, that's what would happen. But again, like it doesn't matter. It's, it's I, like you want to see the upsets, but you can't have upsets if you suspend everybody from all of the major schools and there's no upsets even to be had because none right. of the major schools made the tournament. And I've always said this, that the NCAA in no way can go through and put, give postseason bans to all of these schools at the same time because nobody's going to watch the NCAA tournament if the top 15 teams in the country can't even go to the tournament. There's just no way that they can levy those type of punishments to all of the schools involved, you know, rumored to be involved, whatever you want to phrase it as, because if you, you know, let's say pretty much the majority of the top 15 programs in the country were, have been connected to this in some way, shape or form, some bigger, some smaller, like we said on the last episode, Duke did their own investigation and said, don't worry, we're innocent. So we'll just take them at their word, I guess, you know, right. but it's like, okay, yeah, we're just, we're just going to play the tournament this, this year without Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Arizona, whoever, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to say, nah, none of those guys can, none of those guys can, uh, can participate. Who's watching the NCAA tournament at this point? Like, yeah, UMBC is a fun story, but UMBC isn't a fun story when they're a 10 seed. A five seed, whatever you know, they're they're a fun story because they beat a, a top program. So if those top programs aren't even there, then all those fun stories go away. So right. and you get no, and you get literally no ticket sales because you'd have to look and say, if you looked at the NCAA tournament and you took say maybe the top ten traveling fan bases, uh, which I would say are Kentucky for sure, uh, North Carolina. Michigan State, Arizona, as we've seen in the West Coast, any game in the West Coast is an Arizona game. Uh, Kansas, uh, these. Are, if you took like even just five or six schools from the NCAA tournament, I bet you they account for something like just just off the top of my head. I bet you they account for like a quarter of the entire ticket sales t- to the tournament, right? Right. Because if you if you go into Greensboro for the, these tournaments, it's all North Carolina, it's all Duke. It's not all Wake Forest fans. It's not not even all NC State fans. It's not Georgia Tech fans. So you, if you take away those teams from the tournament, then you don't even really have a tournament. So that's why I think that it's like you said, it's all it's it's a story. Don't get me wrong. I understand the severity of the story and, and why we have to talk about it. But in the end, I think it all just ends up going away. And it just is something for everybody to just bluster and be blowhards about for the next year. Because, again, Kansas is still nine months. They have nine months yeah. to, to respond, just to respond to this. And what like what's the response? They do the same thing that Duke did. Oh no, actually we checked ourselves out and we didn't do it. Like, oh, okay. So what's the timeline after that? I don't know off the top of my head. Is it like another three months the NCAA has? Who knows? We're still years away from seeing any of these real punishments being levied. Exactly. And that's what people need to know before they start talking about Bill Self getting fired, before they start talking about the death penalty, before they start talking about how a program is going to be completely screwed for the next decade. This is such a slog. It's going to be such an incredibly slow moving process. What I will say, though, real quick about Kansas is they pretty much lead the country in getting these big time recruits and then they just like don't play 
once the season begins because oh. of some sort of violation. You think of Billy Preston, Sheck Diallo. I'm sure I'm missing a few others, but those are big time names, uh, big time D'Sou- recruits. D'Souza, like Sylvia. D'Souza. Yeah, thank you. He's like 35 years old now, still hasn't even like stepped foot in Allen Field now. So, and and here's the other thing I'll say about Kansas: if they do get screwed, then I'll be like, I was wrong. I don't give a shit. This is very yeah, right. This right. makes me so, very happy. So here's what I'll say: I'll put some uh, boots on the ground, as people say. In a month, I'm going to the Kansas State Oklahoma football game, and then bookending that with the Kansas City Chiefs Packers game the same weekend. My mother, Shell Dammel, shout out. She has a conference in Lawrence the next day on Monday. Thinking about taking her out there to check out Allen Fieldhouse and maybe, maybe ask me Bill Self some questions if I have the opportunity. So we'll table this because I might have some answers in maybe a month from today. So I'm marking it down. <laughs> I'm paddling for that. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, we got, it'll be a constant discussion that we'll have to talk about. And, and just as college basketball fans, but as Arizona fans as well, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get roped into this work because it doesn't seem like, like anybody's ignoring the fact that uh, Arizona was the poster boy of this because all the articles and things that I've read so far, are like schools like Kansas and Arizona, even though my own personal bias is like, huh, when it was just Arizona, it was just Arizona. We didn't really say shit about Bill Self, but now it's Bill Self and Arizona, whatever. I'm sure we'll still have to deal with it. It's going to be annoying as hell. Nothing's going to change because yeah. all the good recruits that all these schools gets are one and done. So, what do they say? Oh, they're like, oh, well, by the, by the time the NCAA comes through and punishes us, you'll already be in your third year in the NBA. Who cares? Yeah. And what I'll also say is hug for Kentucky because Myra Medcalf actually <laughs> had a great tweet. He was like, you know what's weird? Everyone keeps accusing John Calipari of cheating and all this stuff, but we're not hearing much from him. And who knows? That might not be a good thing because we didn't hear much about Kansas either up until somewhat recently. Uh, right. But – yeah, well, and that's Kentucky. what I was saying. Maybe, maybe what the media says We're not hearing, yeah. and what the NCAA is actually doing isn't the same, which I, which I fully believe because I, you know, just like I said at the start of this segment, I w- the whole time I've been like, the, the evidence is right there, and this is just me, some random dude on the internet that can go in and literally look at the files and be like, the, we, have, we have copies of the text messages. Like, what? Like, these are all confirmed. Antonio Brown got cut in a day because of like text messages that he sent. Right? How do we, we gone like years without nobody even discussing Bill Self's text messages? And yeah, I don't know. So I would imagine the NCAA. Well, I, hold on. I was going to say the NCAA knows more than me. Yeah. So I mean, they, have the, point, they have the ability to know more than me, but what they do with it, I guess we'll just have to see. I just have so. fatigue in terms of speculation, so I'm just going to wait for something to actually drop, then I'll react. No point in yeah. trying to be proactive about it. No, All right. 100%. Well, let's get to our starting five, but before we do that, a quick message from the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right. Starting five, T. This week, our starting five is rivalry games, best rivalry games of the past decade. So... This isn't just saying, oh, Duke Carolina, that's a great rivalry. Yeah, no shit. But it is specifying which game that is. Okay? So we went back to 2009, and we have our starting five of the best games in terms of entertainment, score, stakes, whatever the criteria is, uh, between, but they had to be between two rivals. So I'll kick it off to you first. So this was, you really laid it on with a lot of research on this one because obviously, yeah, you're like, okay, so you could probably take 
oh, at least half a dozen of the Duke Carolina games over the last 10 years, you know, but I feel like in my mind, I felt like that was too obvious, right? Yeah. Because those, because those games are like the primary ESPN games of the day and, and whatever. So I do have a Duke Carolina game on my list though. I don't, I don't. And I think I know which Duke Carolina game you have. And yeah. I, and I didn't want to do that. Uh, I do think that we do have one overlap and I think it's just kind of a painfully obvious one here. And maybe you left it out because you thought I would do it. But so I'll start with from 10 years ago, uh, what some considered to be the greatest basketball game, college basketball game of all time. And that's the six overtime Connecticut Syracuse game. I know I tried to go away from the most obvious, but it's just a little hard to leave this one off a list of great rivalry games. Um, you and I were having a discussion about Big East rivalries. And it's tough because the Big East A isn't the Big East anymore. So, um, and it's also tough because there weren't, there were almost like all rivals at once. There weren't a lot of obvious, like just one on one rivals. Right. Like you could say, like Syracuse, Georgetown. <clears throat> well, okay, maybe in the 80s. But with Syracuse Georgetown a big rivalry in the two thousands, not quite like it was with the eighties. Well, okay, so Villanova, but who's their rival? Penn from the no. big, but from the Big Five, you know, what I mean, so there's a right. lot of these teams right. where they're all just there's at least five or six of them where they just all kind of constantly butt heads. Like who's Pitt's rival? West Virginia? Well, for football maybe, but not for for basketball. It's not exactly the the same and and so i think that's where we're going to run into on this list is is and and we have this problem with arizona is like asu is our rival right but ucla is our basketball rival i don't have an mm-hmm. arizona ucla game on here i'm just saying like that's a prime example of like i don't consider asu a basketball rival i consider them our local rival 100 percent for everything else but for basketball it's a little different so um anyway 2009 connecticut syracuse game Six overtime, 127-117. Syracuse came out on top. Uh, just it's, It was a Big East tournament quarterfinals. And just, I mean, it's got to be the best. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be the, it's got to be one of the top 10 basketball games, top five basketball games of all time. Didn't end until 1.22 a.m. And, mm-hmm. and I think, uh, I, I tried to also stay away from from conference tournament games and 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 whatnot, but that's also hard to do because the stakes being high is kind of what also makes a rivalry game. Right. Um, you know, Devendorf jumping on the scorers table after the was it the third overtime because he thought he won it and then it got waved off and yeah, just uh, one of the one of the greatest games of all time and I think probably the most obvious one of of this list. Uh, so that's got to go. I'd be remiss if I didn't um, put that on the list. The number two game I have, and this is where I get into that what is a rivalry type of discussion. So, Subi, who is Kansas's, Kansas's basketball rival? First one that comes to my Kansas State, Texas. Uh, is it a Big 12 team? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a big 12 team. Oklahoma. Oklahoma is what uh, Oklahoma. You know, if you look at the if you look at the um, teams in the Big 12 with the most basketball success, Oklahoma's Kansas is obviously number one, but is Oklahoma number two? 
tech it's not tech case. you know it's not tech, they, at least they've made a, a final four yeah and then they had those teams in the early 2000s that were really good as or early early 90s that were good as well so my number two game was number one kansas beating number two oklahoma in 2016 the buddy healed teams 109 to 106 and triple Ooh, over time that's a game good call yeah yeah so that one was tough because like I said, do we consider it a rival? Do we not? And I think Kansas is one of those interesting schools that, like, yeah, there's obviously rivalries they have, but I don't think one is completely obvious. And so we're actually going to get into this discussion even more in two more games. Well, but I go think, ahead. I think that's because they just have run the Big 12 with an iron mm-hmm, fist. Mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. They, they just kill teams every single year. So it's tough. It's tough to have any sort of rivalry if there's no back and forth. They literally win the, the conference every single year. Well, I think there's a debate in the same way that's like, okay, so who's, who's Kentucky's true rival? Louisville? Oh, 100%. But, but, but they don't play up right. until, you know, up until. Either them or Florida. It's either them or Florida. Maybe right, but, Tennessee. And Florida, it's like, eh. Tennessee, yeah. it's like, okay. Louisville, they didn't play for a number of years in there, so it's kind of hard to maintain that rivalry when there's no games that are actually happening. So, like you said, Kansas, um, you know, they've run the Big 12 for a long time, and Oklahoma's kind of the only one that's given them a lot of pushback over a, or at, at a number of different times. Like, even the Kevin Durant Texas teams didn't really yeah. do anything. So... Uh, that game, the number one, that was easily the biggest game of that time period. Uh, it was the, no, it was the first one versus two matchup in big 12 history. That's, uh, I mean, that is, is a huge game. Buddy healed had like a million points, just like he did in every single game that year. But Kansas did come out on top 109 to 106. And honestly, I would even have made felt a little different about this one, but it was in Allen Fieldhouse as well. So that adds mm-hmm. a little bit to the, like, okay, so we were in one of the most classic basketball arenas. We didn't have a, what I would call a classic rivalry, but we had one of the big teams of college basketball. And we had the national player of the year. We had final four teams, whatever. You had everything uh, that, that you needed for a classic game. I think you can make the same point for UConn-Syracuse. That was an MSG. I, I don't think we, yeah, we mentioned right. that either. Right. No, that's equally as important as, as being an Allen Fieldhouse uh, you know, I, that one was just one that stuck out to me and, and, you know, full of NBA players and we can debate. Yeah. It wasn't, where's our rivalry here, but I think that's a close enough rivalry um, to say, Hey, that's, you know, that's, that's definitely a, a, at least at that time was a rivalry game because number one, number two in the country, whatever. So number three, I have the Evan Turner, but 37 foot buzzer beater against Michigan in the 2010 big 10 10 tournament tournament. Yeah. I remember that. Now, I'd have to go back and look, but I think that game was played somewhere weird. I think it was expect- in Indianapolis, wasn't it? Was it in Indy? Was it- yeah, okay, maybe it yeah, was in Indianapolis. I thought so that's not, that's not, yeah, that's not weird then, yeah. No, yeah. they used to, but now right, it's right, all right. over the place. I mean, yeah, that was right, like right. 2010, though. It was 2010, right. Yeah. So in that game, uh, Evan, Turner, Evan Turner scored 18 against rival Michigan. Now that's an obvious rivalry uh, with no real debate on that one. He scored 18, uh, it leading... Uh, Ohio State over Michigan, and the big one on that is that Evan Turner, like I said, hit a 37-foot buzzer beater, kind of off balance, kind of, I don't know, all one-handed, but, you know, it wasn't anything from 37 feet. It's not like the cleanest look you've ever gotten in your life. No. Yeah, so that was in 2010. 
big one, big one. Uh, that one was, they won 69 to 68. It wasn't Indianapolis. And um, obviously you remember that game. I'm sure anyone that listens to this podcast uh, probably remembers that game as well. Shout out to uh, Travis Church, our local Ohio State fan, uh, listener of the podcast as well. I'm sure, he, I'm sure him and his dad remember that one as well. I'll tell you what, man. Evan Turner might be one of the most underappreciated college basketball players in the past decade. People don't realize how fucking good he truly was because everyone thinks of him, oh, yeah, he's the number two overall pick. He's been a journeyman a little bit in the NBA. He was amazing at Ohio State, won the player of the year. I feel like people don't give him enough credit when we rank some of the great college basketball. People, people rank D'Angelo Russell above him when it comes to Ohio State studs. He was a legit national player of the year candidate. No, he won it. He won. Or did he, he, won, yeah. he, won the, he won the Naismith that year? Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, then, I'm yeah. Pretty, even, me, sure. even, even me, who's literally, like, did the research for this game. Yeah, I guess I'm even underappreciating Evan Turner. Uh, and, you know, he's I, – I, I don't want to say that I was a monster fan of Evan Turner – but I didn't think he was necessarily going to be like a dope NBA player, and he's not a dope NBA player. But he stuck it out in the NBA. I mean, he's, yeah, oh, for yeah, sure. I, yeah. I mean, he's 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 made a nice living in the league. Uh, he was, I guess, one of those classic guys that I thought was just going to be a really good college player, but not going to be an awesome NBA or you know have any success at the next level. But mm-hmm. I was wrong, and I'm I'm fine with that. So yeah, he was. Uh, Two-time first ten or first team All Big Ten, Big Ten Player of the Year, first team All American, obviously, and then he was the National Player of the Year in 2010. Thank you for that, Subi. I need to do some more research. Clearly, it's fine. But we don't we, we don't bring up stats and stuff like that. I just remember that he was. But that's right. good. That's a good three thus far. So we'll get back into the debate of what's a rivalry here now with this one. And that is the last year of the Kansas-Mizzou rivalry because mm-hmm. Mizzou is now in the SEC. Mizzou definitely doesn't a rivalry. Have, yeah, so that's definitely a rivalry. That's yeah. the, bo- the border war, as they call it. You know, both schools are just uh, 90 miles apart or whatever. Um, and so that had uh, Tyshawn Taylor, T-Rob. T- um, but that Missouri team, if you remember that 2012 Missouri team, they came into Lawrence ranked number three in the country. So this was number three, number four. Kansas comes back from 19 down to beat Mizzou in the uh, in, in overtime. Or yeah, Kansas comes back to beat, from 19 down to beat Mizzou in overtime. And then also in that game, they uh, took the Big 12 Conference from Mizzou that season. And I remember that game specifically because that was the year and uh, we were at U of A at this time doing a radio show there. And that was the year I was convinced that Kansas wasn't going to win the Big 12. That was, I mean, that was, that, I was convinced that that was finally going to be the year it was all going to come crashing down. And they're down 19 against Mizzou. Mizzou's going to win the conference. At, you know, and... Uh, what do we always say about teams when they have a... When they are able to kill kansas when they are able to put their foot on their throat do they ever do it ever no except for last year last year they did but well kansas just 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 like really wasn't good last year i mean they were they were good but like right right. if they didn't do it last year it was just never gonna happen it just wasn't gonna happen right right 
But was this Wait. was this also the Mizzou team with Frank Haith and like the Pressy brothers? Yeah, both Pressies, Kim English, Marcus Denman was the leading scorer on that team. <laughs> yes. also, was this? I think this then was also the season where they lost to Norfolk State. Yes, yes, in the tournament. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Good well, God, so, that is a yeah, premonition if I've ever seen one. Yeah, yeah, T-Rob, uh, our boy, not our boy, Jeff Withy, Elijah Johnson, Tyshawn Taylor, Travis Relaford. I mean, I looked at that roster, and even I look back now, and I'm like, God, really? Nobody else? That Nobody else could have taken the team, could have taken a conference from them? I mean, Chase Keehan? This is like a great the, pick, Taylor, because – Two programs went complete opposite ways from this game. Yeah. Kansas wins the Big 12 and then goes to the national title game. Mizzou loses in the first round of Norfolk yeah. State and Kyle O'Quinn. Yeah. Connor Tehan, excuse me, not Chase Tehan. But yes, I, I mean, he played 37 minutes that night. And nobody could, nobody could have beat, beat Kansas that year in the, in the conference. You know, Travis Relaford is out here playing 34 minutes a night, going one of seven from the field, and nobody can beat them. Well, that was when Kansas had, like, this rotation of white guys, it was like a three or four year span where they had Connor Tehan and then Tyrell Reed and then Brady Morningstar, not in that chronological order, but it was those right. three guys. I remember them. Yeah. So yeah, that was it. And I, you know, it wasn't an obvious game that popped up to me when we first brought this up for doing this, but in doing a little research, I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that game. Cause I was like, I'm sure we could go back on Twitter and find my tweets and be like, yeah, it's finally going to happen, you know? But Alas, it didn't. And, you know, you just had another three, four game. A couple of reasons that this also was a big impact. Like you said, the teams went opposite directions after this. It was a number three versus number four in Allen Fieldhouse. And almost more importantly than all of this is it's the last time that obvious rivals, Missouri and Kansas, have played. So that's a big one. And then for the number four, we have Xavier Cincinnati from 2009, which I think in my mind, is a really underrated rivalry. These teams fucking hate each other. These coaches hate each other. Everybody about this rivalry just hates each other. Uh, This team, or this game had, or excuse me, this uh, game had players like Lance Stevenson in it, Two Holloway, Jordan Crawford, Mark Lyons, shout out, shout out Mark Lyons. Just a just a classic uh, backyard brawl, or what do they call it? That literally a brawl. The cross town shootout, right? So this wasn't the you know the the brawl game was. Oh, it wasn't. Not this oh, one. Okay. No, that was actually way more because uh, that was the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking of this too. Was I was like, oh, is the that brawl game has to be a part of this rivalry chat, but that game came a lot more recently. I can't remember off the top of my head which one, when it did. But And that game wasn't even particularly close, uh, which I also didn't necessarily remember um, off the top of my head. But I know Lance Stevenson hit a big bucket late. Uh, the game ended uh, in overtime. And that's just a game that I remember because for multiple reasons, Two Holloway and Jordan Crawford balled out in that game. I think two Holloway had to hit some free throws to send the game to overtime. And then that, you know, you also had great Gus Johnson calls from, uh, from Xavier making the tournament uh, with Jordan Crawford and two mm-hmm. Holloway. So that, that deserved a, a special place in my heart. So yeah, that's that. I think that is not only a, 
you know, obviously we're just looking for games on this list. Um, but that one was also an underrated rivalry um, in college basketball that we just don't talk about a lot. Absolutely. Good five. Great five. You really you dug in deep to the conference games. I like that in the regular season. So first and foremost, I'm going to start with Syracuse versus UConn. That was our overlap. Six overtime game. Yeah, it's impossible I, yeah. not to put it. Yeah, right. Rivalries in the Big East, Madison Square Garden, Big East Tournament. One little nugget about this game. I remember I went to go play basketball. It was freshman year at Arizona, and I went to go play basketball down at the rec. And we had a pretty long run. I'm talking like two two hours and 15 minutes maybe. And I went to come home just to check, you know, Sports Center who won the game. Still going on. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Because I was able to watch maybe a half or three quarters of that basketball game, go play myself, come back at the perfect time. And so that game is forever seared in my memory. Like you had mentioned, probably one of the top 10 basketball games of all time between two historic rivals. And people don't realize that I think Syracuse, their main rival is Georgetown, but UConn and Syracuse hate each other as well. So I had to have that one as well. You mentioned Cincinnati and Xavier. I have Cincinnati and Xavier also, except wow. I'm referencing the fight game. Okay. So when you yeah, had okay. said that, That's fine. when you had said that, I was like, wait a minute. I'm surprised he got this one too, because this fight game, you're right, was not very close. It was in Xavier, I believe. Mark Lyons was part of that fight. Yes, you're right. And you had name dropped a lot of really good players between the two in terms of two high. I didn't though. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. My computer froze here for a second, and I I needed to bring up the Cincinnati roster. And I want you to go through the Cincinnati roster because the names on that Cincinnati roster are unbelievable. The only person worth mentioning in, on that Cincinnati roster is Yancey Gates. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Yancey Gates was throwing haymakers during that brawl i'm talking like and someone's like fucking walking ability haymakers i'm talking like malice in the palace type haymakers yancey that game was wild and i agree with you that is an incredibly underrated rivalry between two cincinnati schools my brother-in-law who's probably going to listen to this patrick he's from dayton ohio and he says he tries to claim that either dayton and and xavier or dayton and cincinnati are bigger rivals than cincy xavier I'm like, no, no dude, no, that's, I, I don't believe you. I don't care that you're from the area. That's just not true. <laughs> okay. I've never seen this type of brawl before. And again, it's between two incredible rivals, but the game had nothing to do with it. The atmosphere really didn't have anything to do with it. An absolute brawl broke out. We haven't seen that amongst rivals in quite some time. And, you know, this is the other thing I hate when people cover it, like, oh, this is an unfortunate situation. Obviously, if someone gets physically harmed, yeah, it could be an unfortunate situation. But I think everyone was all right. Everyone seemed to be you know, just dusted off. But it was crazy. So one thing I remember about that that specific game, and let me let me mention some of the other people that were a part of that. By the way, uh, Sean Kilpatrick, Sean Yancey, Kilpatrick, Yancey Gates, as you said, actually Yancey Gates would have been a big one. Could have been uh, one of our previous starting Intro? fives, where like. No, oh, no, yeah. uh, uh, NFL players or co- football players that we yeah. Yancey Gates could have been a part of <laughs> Damn, that. that's true. Uh, and my personal, one of my very favorite players in college basketball history, for, not because of his game, but just because of his name, Kashmir Wright, uh, which is what I'm going to name my first son. But 
one I the that rivalry runs deeper than we give credit to. You know, 100%. one of the things that I remember um Sean Miller being asked about this because this was that right was it this year or two years? How many years after Sean Miller got hired in two thousand nine? So that when was that when was that fight? Two thousand eleven. Yeah, okay. So it was just two years after Sean Miller left. I remember he got asked about it. And he did not give like a normal coach, like, oh, it's an unfortunate answer. I, they said something to the effect of, yeah, they, we don't like that school or they don't like that school. And, yeah. and some, someone like poked him and they were like, he, he just wasn't having any support of like Cincinnati at all, you know, because he previously coached at Xavier. So I, that, was, that was definitely to me, I, did, I recognized the rivalry at the time, obviously. But to me, I was like, man, we even got former coaches that, that coached at one side versus the other. And they don't, they still aren't. They're still not cool with it the other side. So. Well, and so people need to also realize for this upcoming season with Mick Cronin now at UCLA, you had mentioned earlier that UCLA is Arizona's basketball rival, vice versa. UCLA came from Cincinnati, Sean Miller, Xavier. They yeah. probably really hate each other, man. Yeah. And, I mean, Sean Miller had been long gone from, from Xavier when this fight happened. I think Chris Mack was the coach, but... Yeah, uh, he was. But, but Cronin, Cronin was was the head coach at Cincinnati. But this one, I, I couldn't leave that off my list. One of the funniest funniest games uh, in terms of rivals. I, I remember Mark Lyons, who then also, our other Xavier uh, connection, Mark Lyons still was like, he grad transferred to U of A in 2012 or 13. 12 or 13, 12, 13 season, I believe. And um, yeah, he even would like, tweet about it about you know it's it still fucks Cincinnati like yeah it's yeah. It, like it wasn't even like oh no we don't like them like years later he's still like no fuck these guys you know he's playing for a different school what yeah whatever well so. I think also because rivals they think their proximity is really close and relatively speaking it is but right. these guys literally share a city I mean oh, it is, like I, eight, I've been to, that, I've been yeah, to it's like eight miles from campus you campus can easily, or yeah you can walk you can pretty much 10 minute Uber ride to each, each campus. It's crazy. Right. Right. So that's my second of the starting five. Number three, Duke Carolina. And so this is the Austin rivers game. Yeah. Uh, I knew, I knew that was the one that was going to be. This was easily the best game of, of the rivalry of the past decade, Austin rivers in Carolina. That's what made it amazing in Carolina. uh, Just absolutely tearing their hearts out. And this was cold-blooded, man. This wasn't within the flow of the offense. This was Austin Rivers, give me the ball. Everyone get the hell out of the way. He sizes up Tyler Zeller, and he drops it over his head. And it was incredible with Austin – or, excuse me, with uh, with Doc in the stands. And then um, Dan Schulman on the call. That was incredible. Dan Schulman is integral to these big-time games and these crazy yes. finishes. And so Duke Carolina, I've always said, is the best – college rivalry in sports right 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 it's above ohio state michigan football it's above kentucky louisville it's it's above you know any other football rivalry that you want to think of clearly the the class of rivalries in basketball duke carolina serves every single game something crazy happens or it's a good game i mean think about it last year it wasn't all that great but zion blew his shoe out within the first like 15 seconds against carolina and then they actually had a great game in the um in the conference tournament as well in the, Absolutely. In the semifinals mm-hmm. so these are and the thing that makes it great is that these are perenni- perennially top five teams every single time that they match up at least top 10 with they national both won title na- yeah right they both won national championships in the last yeah five years when did duke win their last one 15 
uh, or ten with with Jones. Well, you said last time. Yeah, right. But obviously, Carolina was just a couple of years ago as well. And that's the thing, and I, I think you bring up a good point there, where I think a lot of people, including our good friend Chris Jason, would tell us that probably Ohio State Michigan football is the biggest rivalry in the country. And here's at this point. Michigan can't as, beat them. As it currently stands, it's it's not. It's it's. it's I, I would argue it's number two. It's, it's number two. I'll give it number two. But it, it's at this point, it's number. It's not number one because Ohio State is. I'm looking this up right now. They've won seven in a row, and Michigan beat them in 2011 and 2003. Those yeah. are the last one, two, three, four. Nine, 10, 11, 12, well, 13, 14, 15, 20 games. They're two, they're two and 18 in the last 20 games. I get Michigan it one time. I get it one time every single year. It's typically a bloodbath. It's not very close. I mean, there, there are a couple outliers. You think about the fourth down uh, spot yeah. of the ball. I forget. That was a couple years yeah. ago. But, 16. Yeah. Yeah. But Duke Carolina, I can potentially get three times each year with two games in the regular season and then one in the conference tournament. Maybe if we're ever lucky enough four times if they ever meet in the NCAA tournament. But this game was incredible. The theater, the pageantry, the Dean Dome, uh, and then Austin Rivers with a game-winning shot. Absolutely incredible. So question for you before we leave this rival real real quick, just because I, I read an article in my research for this topic brought up about Duke and North Carolina, and that is the opinion was, and the question is, in your opinion, would you like a Duke-North Carolina national championship game? No. I no, me neither. Yeah, me neither. Would you like because Duke- that's that's ultimate bragging rights. Would you like, like a Duke North Carolina Final Four game? Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. I just wouldn't want it. Yeah, I I think that'd be awesome. I don't want it because I don't really like when I, I like when schools from all over the country are, you know, represented. Right. I don't just want it to be like oh. So we didn't really determine. It's like if SE, if it's like if Alabama were to play Georgia for the national well, championship game, you know, I'd be like, uh, didn't we already figure this out like a couple times this year? You know, true. That's fair. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't want it because then one team can literally, like, and us, we can just say, oh well, we lost in that national title game. Like if right. if Arizona beat ASU this year in the national title game, and then next year ASU goes to the Final Four and loses, and we lose every single game of the entire year, I'd be like. I don't give a fuck. We beat you for a national time. Like that yeah. is the ultimate right. trump card. That is the right. ultimate kiss my ass. So right. I feel like Duke and Carolina both are such stellar elite programs that I, I, I still want them going. I, I need ammo on both sides. So that right. was a, that was a wild game. Austin rivers game winner. Yep. You yep. had mentioned, do you want to see them in the final four? This next game that I have was a rivalry in the final four very recently in 2012, Kentucky versus Louisville. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Kentucky versus Louisville Final Four in 2012 uh, was huge. It featured Anthony Davis, and this was like Peyton Siva, Luke Hancock for Louisville. And so in, in that game, Kentucky eventually prevailed and went on to play Kansas in the national title game. Anthony Davis and company won that game. The reason I'm putting this on my list is because, in my opinion, in terms of college basketball, this is actually the second-best rivalry in the sport. Kentucky-Louisville is huge. They only play each other one time, but that is a basketball-crazed, crazed state. We've, all, we've always said Kentucky's in the SEC, but that's the only like basketball blue blood in that conference. Louisville complete hatred across the state 
and then to to play each other to go to the final to the national title game the stakes couldn't be higher so this was more of a you know what are the stakes the game the game was decent louisville hung around but that was an absolute juggernaut of a kentucky team which i think only lost two or three games all season so i went with two two right so Mm -hmm. i went with kentucky versus louisville you know what makes it even sweeter louisville won the national title the next year yeah right right so it's pretty crazy uh that those two actually met in a final four and i mean could you imagine being in the bluegrass state during that you know one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player of that whole game there, is actually Deron Lamb. Mm-hmm. I loved Deron Lamb. Really wanted him at Arizona. Uh, Kyle Wilter was in that game. Another one they like sneaky before he left and went to Gonzaga. Swapshire, friend of the program uh, as well. Is that Jared, Jared Swapshire? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, that was an awesome game. And, and I think not only – you know, I'm not sure how much you cared about it as much as I did, but and I don't necessarily consider this to be a great basketball facility, but the Final Four at the Mercedes-Benz Dome in New Orleans is just kind of like, uh, you know, I, obviously yeah. your Final Four is huge wherever you go. That just, because it's hosted like 37 Super Bowls and it was big rivalry. And, and could you imagine, just think of, just think of the post-game festivities after beating your number one rival in the Final Four on Bourbon Street. Right. Madness. Right. Madness. I know that doesn't necessarily play into like the rival, but it, it, just the, the whole situation of, is just, just awesome if you're Kentucky. You right. Know, yeah, yeah, but, right, but that's, right. that's the best part about this whole thing is that all Louisville had to do was wait a year, and then they won a national yeah, title. Right. So yeah, exactly. in, in, my, in my comparison, I said that ASC lost in that Final Four, and we only won a title. Both of those teams won titles yeah, back-to-back right. years. Right. So it was, no, it that's, was a good, that's a great one. Here's my last one, and it involves Kentucky again at Indiana. So that so, oh, okay, okay. So you considered that a rival? I, okay, rival okay, okay, because I wasn't sure that I was considering that a rival. A rival. I'm, I'm counting them as rivals. Two of the most historic, greatest college basketball. I mean, you think college basketball, you think college basketball arenas, you think of Alumni Hall, you think of Rupp Arena, right? You think of the players that have come through. You think of the coaches that have gone through. Kentucky, Indiana, and they haven't played since this game, I don't think, which yeah, is a they, huge yeah. point of contention for Indiana, I think, because yeah. Kentucky won't schedule them. And Which I don't had, blame them. Why, why should Kentucky schedule Indiana? They kind of and they hadn't played like before that for a long time either, correct? But this, this was game, in this was 2012. Okay, because Anthony right. Davis was on that team. Right, 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 right. So that, actually, yeah, that was half of their losses. This Indiana game. So right. uh, it's either Assembly Hall or Alumni Hall. I think assembly. It's, assembly. Assembly. Thank you. So Kentucky at Indiana. This is the Christian Watford shot, and this was better, in my opinion, than the Austin Rivers game winner because there yes. was a lot of oh, build up. Oh. There was so much build up with the Austin Rivers thing. And I don't know for some people that could be for you, but for me, Indiana had to rush the ball down the court and they executed their play flawlessly. They actually set the blueprint for Villanova's game winning national title, uh, game winning national title shot by Chris Jenkins by Archie Diacono coming down the court, passing to a trailing Chris Jenkins and Archie Diacono sort of setting a screen with his ass. That's what happened in this Indiana game. Came down the court, gave it to Christian Watford, and he like stroked. I, like I don't, it did not hit rim, barely hit the net. It was the most pure sounding shot. And what what made it even cooler was again Shulman on the call. 
uh, he just lets out the most orgasmic, like, yes. He just goes, yes. Dan well, Stillman on the call. And then the assembly hall, like, erupts. And the crowd just we, – we also – here's the other thing. We critique a lot of court rushes. This was one of the best court rushes I've ever maybe seen. The, I think it was in, probably the best. I think it was. I think it's the goat of court rushes. I think maybe two or three seconds, the whole court was red. It's probably my favorite non Arizona basketball game of all time, uh, or uh, college basketball game. Excuse me, of all time. It was incredible. I just, and I don't even. I don't even really. I don't like these schools. I don't even. I don't even have a lot of. I mean, I've got. At least some respect for Kentucky. I don't really like Indiana. I didn't really like Tom Crean, really. But <laughs> how could I forget Crean's reaction? His, his reaction. Uh, 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 uh. Crean just looked pissed. He was just like he was about to go down and shake Calipari's hand, and he was just so overwhelmed. It looked like right. That so game, that was uh, it was because that was what was supposed to be. What I liked about it was that, that was supposed to be announcing that. Uh, that Indiana was back, right? And right. they and, and they were like kind of for a little bit. Um, they actually have played since then in the tournament. Oh, Not that's right. That was 2016. The, uh, that was like when Kentucky was ranked eight, or they were the eight mm-hmm. seed or something, right? Mm-hmm. Good, good call. Mm-hmm. So that is yeah, that Christian Watford shot. It is one of my favorite college basketball highlights. One of my favorite if not my favorite non-Arizona basketball game of all time. Just the hype. I mean, there was a palpable amount of hype that was built up around that game. And I think a lot of, a lot of games get built up to such a high level. And, um, oh, excuse me, I'm dumb. They did play another game after that, but it was in the, uh, uh, yeah, like I said, it was in the tournament. Excuse me. But, there was just so much hype. People lined up for, for, you know, days before that to get into this game. You have two of the top six or seven most historic franchise franchise of schools in college basketball. And I just remember I was at. I can remember specifically. I had. I was eating round table pizza. <laughs> like I had uh, uh, a beer. I was at uh, actually my ex girlfriend's house in the Bay Area. And Am I, I bringing like, up bad memories? No, 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 no. I, and I like, I'm like, no, we have to watch this game. Like, this is, yeah. this is, yeah. And I remember I just like exploded off the couch, and I, and and her, she was not a basketball fan at all. Same thing. Like, it was crazy. It was, it was, uh, it was the coolest court rush. The coolest, like, the whole arena, like, picked up ten feet yep. off the floor yep. instantly. It, and there's Howell Assembly Hall. For those who don't know, look it up. Assembly Hall is it's Death Valley in basketball form. It is two like forty-five degree angles on the side, and there's like eighteen thousand seats in the whole arena, and I would guess fifteen thousand of them are on the sides, and then there's another fifteen hundred on either side of. Um, and so it's just the the angle that they had away from the back, watching everybody launch in the air. Yeah, it was it was super cool. It had all the elements of a perfect rivalry game, and that's why it's ranked number one on my list. It had an unstoppable force in Kentucky. I don't. Mm-hmm. I think they were undefeated entering that game. It had a really yeah, good. Yeah, bo- both teams were. Both teams were. Both teams. Okay. Yeah. It had a really good player opposite of Anthony Davis. Everyone was giving Anthony Davis love 
Cody Zeller was on that team as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Cody Zeller was a ball player at Indiana. Okay. It had this resurgence of Indiana. Like you had said, Hey, I, are they back? This is going to be a program defining win. Uh, it had assembly hall. It had a close game. It had a game winning shot. It had Dan Shulman on the call. It had the court rush. It was one of the best games ever. And I, I could listen to that Dan Shulman call over and over again. I might so have to, I, I might have yes. to, I might have to after this game. Yeah. Well, dude, Austin, no, that's a great one. I, I didn't know where necessarily you laid lied on the Kentucky-Indiana basketball rivalry, so that was definitely one that I had considered. But I'm glad we only had one, um, overlap. one overlap. Yeah, pretty good. Well, pretty good. so you know what I will also say? This just speaks to how much Cincy and Xavier is a rivalry because we had two separate games involving right. those same teams. Right, and that's a very underrated, underrated rivalry. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I thought those were awesome. I was, I guess, it, and, and this is for a further discussion, and maybe a, a further starting five down the line as we work through closer to college basketball season is kind of some of those. What are rivalries to us? What are rivalries to the people that go to those schools? Right. What are what are the, some of the underrated ones? What are some of the overrated rivalries maybe in college basketball? That might be a good one. What are the overrated rivalries? Because we know the obvious ones, right? Um, you know, people, I, I saw a list today uh, that said things like, what's one? Arizona-UCLA is an underrated basketball rivalry. And I'm like, well, that's the most East Coast biased, like, article I could have ever written. Well, it's because, like, they, they haven't, they, well, that one year in 2016 with Lonzo marketing, like, yeah. that was, that was when it was back. But neither versus, team has been good simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the big thing with that's the big thing when you compare like an actually a lot of the West Coast rivalries is somehow you have teams that have all of these successes like Arizona does, you know, one of the ten most successful basketball programs in the history of the sport, and UCLA, one of the five most successful basketball programs in the history of the sport. They've been good in the same year like five times in our lifetime. Just right. doesn't make any sense, you know. But that's the problem with like when we look at KU here and why I had problems with trying to make that list. They don't have a sustained rival. They have uh, some outside rivalries. Well, it's that kind of, that kind of, it's, not, it's almost like a rotation of rivals, yeah. maybe. They're, they're the ones that have just been the bar for the Big 12, and who knows, right. maybe maybe someone will actually step well, up. Well, then and... the, the Big East broke up. And, right, right. You know, like one of the games I considered for this was Villanova-Pitt, the Scotty mm-hmm. Reynolds game. Yep. Yep. But, you know, that's another one was like, well, well, if Pitt is West Virginia's rival, if his Villanova's rival, Pitt, you know, so that's one. Maybe that's a further discussion for down the line when we have some more time, I guess. Good starting fire from the both of us there. Let's get on to our hugs. Taylor, who are you giving your hug to this week? So my hug is not college basketball related, but it's college football related. And it actually goes back to our – was that our last episode or the episode before last, the freshman, uh, what you would do if I going forget. into college? One, uh, of the last, one of the last several. No, it was, it was, uh, it was the one prior to that because the previous one was football. Football, right. Yep. So one of the pieces of, of advice that I gave to our incoming freshman was, was – or was it you that said delete your Twitter account? I oh, think mine was like scrub your so yeah whatever scrub your social media right. And right. so this is a PSA more than any than it is a hug maybe in a way for all of our listeners to go scrub your Twitter accounts because there are 
people in the world who are going to try to bring you down. So uh, big, one of the bigger stories from college athletics this last week was uh, a kid named Carson Ke- uh, King from Iowa State. Uh, he had a sign at college game day last weekend or yeah, weekend before last, excuse me now uh, that just, he wanted someone to Venmo and money jokingly for some Bush light. It caught on. He got $400, $600, $800 created, was tweeting about it. All of a sudden he's getting thousands and thousands of dollars that because he had uh, put on social media that he was going to donate it to uh, children's hospital in Iowa there. So uh, all of a sudden Bush light catches on. They're going to match. Venmo catches on. They're going to match. Guy works this total up. Just awesome story. Guy just has a very normal job. You know, whatever. He had to finish school online. Whatever. Just just normal Iowa born and bred dude. Right? And so he gets this up to like $1.2 million. They, they give him a name, a day in Iowa. He's got keys to the city. He's got everything. Right? Well, the Des Moines... Uh, newspaper there decided to do a little um, uh, profile on Carson King and they and they did what as they described as normal background checks for a for a person they're profiling and I think that's bullshit which we'll get to in just a second and so they found two retweets of Tosh.0 from 10 years ago of some potentially racist retweets from when this kid was like 16 years old and they made it into a big deal and uh, Bush light no longer is going to associate with them. They're still going to, they're still going to donate the money and whatnot. And so I guess my hug is to Carson King because I realized that like, for one, I don't want, I don't understand why retweeting like a co- comedian would make you whatever. That's a whole nother discussion. But Carson King gets a hug for me for donating all that money, but also being tied up in a situation that from a, he hit the retweet button when he was 16 years old, not knowing mm-hmm. like the the impact that the things on that things that you say have on the world. And then I also hug him because it's just another proof that we just can't ever have nice things, that we always have to bring everybody down for some reason. When this guy is clearly not racist, he's clearly not a bad person. He cle- like why, why we have to bring everybody down, especially in situations of, of such good and selfless giving, when he's got $7 to his name and he's donating $1.2 million to the school. And so I guess it's a hug for, it's a hug for Carson King. And I hope that people still uh, will support him and his cause because he's clearly not a bad person because he hit the retweet button 10 years ago when he was 16 years old. Yeah. I mean, this is, this has been going, I mean, that was, that was my piece of advice for incoming freshmen for basketball players. And it's because the the most dangerous part is you have no idea when you're going to blow up. And that's that's a basketball player who is, Definitely more high profile. Even the last man on Iowa State's bench is more high profile than Carson King, or was at least. Yeah. Now, for anyone, right, you definitely should go back and, and scrub because you might come up with a clever sign. I don't know if he thought that this would take off the way that No, it did. he definitely did. No, he yeah. definitely did. And so, obviously, he, he did a great thing in terms – actually, no, that was, his, that was his fault. Probably should have just done, not donated. <laughs> yeah, should have kept too. the millions of dollars to himself, yeah. right? Then he wouldn't have even been in trouble. Right, but it's like I, when this—it's like when this podcast catches on and gets five million viewers a week. 
I've already scrubbed my Twitter. So yeah, that's a that's a tomorrow problem though. We'll cross that bridge when we arrive. But I, I share your sentiments with, with Carson King and and that whole fiasco. And especially, I don't think you mentioned this, but especially the person who dug up those oh, yeah, tweets thank and you, wrote about thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. Go ahead. He had the problematic tweets as well. He had twenty plus. Like Carson's were just like retweets mm-hmm. of something that a comedian on a nationally syndicated cable program had said which apparently is fine but because this kid retweeted it is now an issue which is just the most hypocritical dumbest fucking bullshit i could even imagine yeah, let's go after tosh actually how is tosh how is tosh still making new episodes? i don't understand I, i've this. seen the promo for him recently he retweeted what someone who on tv said like on a national program also the hypocritical part about this is anheuser-busch who owns bush light was a sponsor of Tosh.0 at that time. So, like, it, they were giving millions of dollars to Tosh.0. To, yeah, the whole thing's just all convoluted <laughs> bullshit. And then, so, the, the reporter... The, the reporter then has... They found, like, A, if you're a journalist, you 100% should be scrubbing every single... Every, I would even say, if you got a job with a newspaper, delete your Twitter, just make a new one. Right. right. Like you now have the platform. Nobody gives a shit about what you said before. Secondly, he literally typed out like the N word and shit like that, like 10, 15 times. So yeah. B, if you're writing an article that's going to be at least syndicated to your local market of Des Moines, which is probably like a 250,000 person market, enough people, right? You should probably like, if you're writing an article about someone's bad tweets, you should probably go back and like check out your own maybe. That I, I can't imagine like that's our dumber. next starting five tips right. tips for those that are going to try and screw over uh, a kid trying to do a good thing. And, and then number three, I guess, is like that guy's career is over now too because there's been so much backlash from Iowa State and Iowa fans and all of this stuff that he's like his Twitter that he deleted his Twitter. Yeah. The the Des Moines Iowa or the Des Moines Register had to put out a thing to say, hey, uh, you know, we're we're investigating. If he would have just said, hey, Carson, like, yo, man, I found these tweets. If, like, we're going to put a story out on you, maybe you want to go back and, like, delete them or whatever before this comes to light. Then you do a little, yeah, we're good. This guy puts out an awesome story because he's Carson King is one of the most talked about national figures. He's a national figure, I guess, now. National figures right now. You put out a great article about him, and you use that in your uh, repertoire as you move through the journalism world. Now, right. because you wanted, like, five seconds of, like, cancel culture fame, your culture. whole career is over. Your whole career is over now. So it's kind I mean, of one of those. It's straight out of a scene of uh, Parks and Rec. It's, uh, it's Joan, <laughs> Cal- Joan Calamezzo yeah. doing gotcha journalism on Leslie Knope. And, yeah, I mean, right. obviously it didn't turn out as poorly as it did for these two. But, right. hey, as long as the hospital got the money, we're all, we're all square. Sorry, that was a really long hug, and it actually turned into more of a shove at the end. But that's... No, that's you know, fine. That's fine. So that's fine. That let's was hear, a hug. Let's hear. You, let's hear your hug. Yeah, I, uh, th- that that was the type of hug that James Posey would give uh, Celtics players before before <laughs> they went out in two thousand eight before they would get on the court. Like a lot of people do daps, and then the Russell Westbrook dance caught on. But James Posey in two thousand eight, he would just give you this big old hug that would last for like eight seconds. And the so, lights, the lights were on already. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, the ball was tipped. It's like James, get off me, man. All right, my hug is going to uh, Andre Emmett, a very somber hug and serious hug. Andre Emmett earlier this week was killed in, I, I believe, Dallas. He was an incredible college basketball player, 
He was as recently uh, as this past summer was playing in the big three uh, pales in comparison to all the stories that we've heard about him as the person, as the man. So Andre Emmett, uh, rest in peace. Uh, if you ask anyone from this Texas Tech basketball program, Chris Beard, Davide Moretti, yes, Jared Culver, it was guys like Andre Emmett that laid the foundation for them to go from kind of a laughing stock in the Big 12, oh, yeah. nobody really caring about Texas Tech basketball, them being strictly a football school, to where we were last year in overtime away from winning a national championship. It was guys like Andre Emmett that laid the groundwork. He played for Bob Knight at Texas Tech. Uh, truly a Texas basketball legend uh, and a college basketball great. So rest in peace, hug for Andre Emmett. That's all we got this episode. I appreciate you listening. We will catch you next week. Yes, sir.